You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Jesus never rebukes desperate faith. This was desperate. Digging through a roof, lowering him down, interrupting the meeting, carrying him all that way, that's desperate faith. Folks, Jesus never rebukes faith. Never. He never rebukes faith. How many of you have ever had desperate faith? You don't have to tell me. If you know it, you know it if you do. Jesus is always approachable. Have you ever been in a moment of complete desperation? Have you ever felt totally hopeless with nowhere to turn? We all find ourselves in these moments from time to time. But where do we go when all seems lost? Today, Pastor Jeff explains that if you want to find a hope in your desperation that will never die, give your life to Jesus. It's as simple as accepting His free gift of grace and letting it work in and through you. You will always find pain and suffering in the remedies of the world. Be forever changed through Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Mark, chapter 2, as he continues his message, He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Christians are human beings who happen to be saved, and they're trying to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, but it doesn't mean everything is peachy. So they feel paralyzed, and they don't want to tell anybody, because the last person you tell about your struggles is somebody in the church, and I don't want to be a church like this. I want our church to be where you can walk in and say, you know, I'm really struggling. Well, let me pray with you. There are some churches you walk in there and you better put on your halo, well-polished, and a big smile, and don't tell people your problems. Isn't that sad? One time I preached in Houston. I was invited to preach at a, at a Bible church. And this Bible church had never had, ever, in their whole existence, an invitation. And so I asked the, the, the and it was a group of elders that ran it, there was not a, a head elder that I could discern. There was a group of them. And this was a very wealthy church. I mean, you drove up in this parking lot, all you saw was Mercedes and Beamers and Cads and all of this. Wealthy, upscale suburbanites. And I asked the, 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 one of the elders, I said, listen, I don't speak unless I can give an invitation. He said, well, you know, I'll get back with you on that. And I knew right then, <laughs> something's wrong here. He called back, he said, you know, uh, Mr. Wickwire, uh, we think we'll just postpone, translated, you ain't ever darkening these doors if you're given an invitation. Well, I had a friend who went there, wealthy, really well off. He got mad. He approached the elders. He said, I want him to come. And he had his way with them. He called me back, said, well, okay, and I'll never forget. I preach, and I'll never forget. Those elders were were plastered up against the back wall. (laughs) And this church was loaded with people. It was packed to the gills, but they never had an invitation. And I remember when I was ministering the word, you could have heard a pin drop on a shag carpet. They were used to dry, didactic, boring, plain vanilla. And I'll never forget before he introduced me, I was at the chair on the stage and devil hopped on my shoulder and said, now when you get up there, you better be cool. You better not be who you normally are. I mean, just get up there and just kind of 
be professional and just teach a little bit and don't offend them. And you know, the Holy, listen, the devil will try to intimidate you at at the most opportune times. The Holy Spirit said two words to me, be yourself. So I got up there, I opened up the Bible and I said, here's what I'm gonna preach on. I started preaching. I mean, I did this, I did this. I paced and they were, they were stunned. Those elders looked like somebody had pushed them into the sheetrock. And then I said, I want you to stand up. And I said to these wealthy lawyers, doctors, CPAs, I said, some of you need Jesus in your heart. And I'm inviting you to come down and ask Christ to save you and deliver you. Suddenly, there was a stampede. Kathy was there, a stampede. There was no room in the altar. And these wealthy, successful, educated, intelligent people, it turned out in some areas in their life were paralyzed. Tears ruining the makeup of so many of these women. I went down to one of them and she said, real quietly to me, I've been considering suicide. We began to pray. We couldn't get through everybody. We finally, an hour after I gave the invitation, had to leave. The elders were speechless, dumbstruck. What are they gonna do? Jesus moved. They followed us to my friend's house, (laughs) knocking on the door. We didn't get prayed for. Seriously. I'm telling you, there is a need and a hunger and a desire that is almost desperate on the heart of people. They want Jesus. They don't want dry, dead religion. They want Jesus. So it makes me think of this man. How many people are paralyzed on the inside? How many people need to be delivered? How many people need to be carried through a problem into wholeness? This man was blessed with four friends, real friends. Now, I thought about this because I noticed, as I shared with you already, that Jesus told him that he needed to be forgiven. Jesus knew that he needed forgiveness, and he knew that somehow sin was connected to his paralysis. And so I thought, do you think the friends knew that? I do. I do. I think the friends knew that this man had sin in his life, and I want you to notice the attitude of these friends. They didn't say, well, you know, we would carry you to the healer if the cause of your affliction were unknown. But since there's sin in your life, tough luck, bub. God bless you. We'll see you at church. Oh, you can't make it to church. Well, sorry about that. Now, now, I'm, I'm salting and peppering this with a little bit of humor, but I want you to catch this now. Do you think Friends that were willing enough to pick him up and carry him a long ways on a stretcher, each holding a corner. Do you think friends like that knew about his stuff? Do you think they knew about his stuff? I do. I think they knew about his stuff. And yet they carried him. Now, one reason I focused on this particular uh, miracle is because we need to see as a church the real Jesus as opposed to the pharisaical kind of church that you see some kind, well, way too often in our day. 
the judgmental, tear you apart, non-restorative, critical, judgmental church. I want you to see what happened in this drama. This man had sin, and this man was paralyzed. And yet he had four friends that said, don't care. We're friends. We're your friends. Hello. When you become a Christian, do you lose the capacity to be a friend when somebody has warts on their nose? You know, and I see Jesus in the story, and again, I'm jumping ahead, but he honored their friendship. I want you to understand, folks, that Jesus is a restoring Christ. Now, I'm going to say that again. Jesus is a restoring Christ. I'm going to read a real important verse to you. It's in Galatians 6.1, and it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are, say the word with me, spiritual. You know what that means, spiritual? It means those of you who are like Jesus. Spiritual is when you're like Jesus. You're not going to get any more spiritual than being like Jesus. Hello, everybody. If you're like Jesus, you're spiritual. Spiritual. So what is he telling us? The earmark of a spiritual person. Look what it says. If any of you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Why do you have to do it in a spirit of gentleness? Why? Considering yourself because you could be tempted too. You can fall like a rock. You. Not me, Pastor Jeff. I've been in church all my life. I know that Bible backwards and forwards, buddy. I'm not going to be falling. I'm mature. Are you mature? You can still fall. You who are spiritual. He's saying, you spiritual ones who are like Jesus, if you're not careful, you could stumble. Now look what he says. Considering yourself lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. The law of Christ is what these four men did. Their friend had sin. Their friend had sin. And the sin had gotten him to such a point where he could not help himself. What do you do with someone who can't help themselves? Someone who's been in the church. Someone who you find out is addicted. Somebody who you find out has sin in their life. What do you do? Do you you diss them? If you're spiritual, now there is a difference. And I want you to hear this now. Sure, discipline is real. Sure, you need to call sin, sin. You can't help somebody if you don't call sin, sin. But at the same time, You've got to have a heart to restore. And if you don't have a heart to restore, you're not spiritual. How many of you want to be spiritual? The rest of you, you want to be carnal? (laughs) So one day, these four friends, they hear about Jesus. And they're watching their friend suffer. He's paralyzed. He's got sin in his life. They're watching him suffer. And one day they hear an incredible story. There is a man walking around. His name is Jesus. And this man is healing the sick. And you know what happened to them? Something in their heart was ignited with faith and they had a thought. Wow, do you think he can heal Joe? 
Joe can't get to him because he's way over yonder. But we can put him on a stretcher. We've got faith and we can pick him up and we can carry him to the healer. Do you see the ministry of prayer here? They brought him before Jesus. When you bring a name before Jesus, you are in essence carrying the paralytic to Jesus. They knew where to take him. We can't fix him, but we heard about somebody who can. And you know what? Faith tells us if we can just get our friend to him, something incredible is going to happen to him. This is an amazing story. It's, a, it's an incredible drama. They looked at each other, and I believe they said something like this. This, this isn't in the Bible. I'm conjecturing, but I think I'm right. No matter what it takes, we're going to get our friend to the healer. If it takes blood, sweat, tears, time, distance, effort, perseverance, we're going to get our friend to Jesus. They weren't condemning him. They weren't judging him. They weren't coming down on him. They said, we're going to get you to Jesus. We've got the faith for you. We've got the arms you need. We've got legs to walk. We can do what you can't do. So, friend, you're not heavy. You're my brother. You're down. You're hurting. There's sin, but you're my brother. You who are spiritual, that's what you'll do. Now, the Bible says that they were willing to work for a breakthrough because when they got there, they couldn't get near the house. And I want you to see the power of perseverance here and what Jesus honored. They couldn't get near the house. It was surrounded by people, packed with people, turning people away. Now, I want you to notice the incredible faith of these men. They persevered through a crowd, still couldn't get him to Jesus. So they looked up at that roof and they said, bless God, we haven't come all this way for nothing. See, just because there's obstacles doesn't mean something isn't God's will. It was God's will to heal this man, but they had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Just because there's obstacles doesn't mean it's not God's will. Sometimes you gotta persevere through obstacles to see a miracle. And they said, whatever it takes, we've already promised whatever it takes. So can you imagine this now? There was a, it was a thatched roof, probably mud and, and, and thatch, uh, bamboo type stuff on the top. It was not the kind of roofs we have. They, they, it says they dug through it. So they hoisted this man up onto the roof. Can you imagine the ride he's getting? I mean, he's having to really trust them. Don't drop me now, don't drop me, careful. They said, we brought you all this way. Something's gonna happen if we can just get you close to him. We know our faith tells us there is something about this man. And can't we be the same way with people? If I can just get you where you can hear the word, get you where the spirit of God is moving, get you where you're, you've got a, a, you're in a, an atmosphere of faith. No telling what's gonna happen to you. So they get him on the roof and they start digging. Now here's Jesus, he's down in there, he's got a packed house and you think he didn't hear this? It's not squirrels walking around up there. These are big, heavy footsteps. And all of a sudden he's teaching this crowd a hole pokes through the ceiling. Now if I'm, if I'm a lot of people, I, I motion to the ushers. And I say, handle it, get them off, they're distracting me. If I'm a lot of people, I turn to my elders and I say, take care of that. They're, they're, they're interrupting me, but not Jesus. 
I think he kept right on teaching until finally, and you got to think about it, he's on a stretcher. They lowered him down right in front of Jesus. So the hole had to have been about six feet. They dug a six-foot hole in the roof. Just kept on digging. Jesus kept right on teaching. And all of a sudden, can you imagine it with me? Turn on your sanctified imagination for a minute. He's sitting there teaching, and all of a sudden, vroom, 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 vroom. Well now, and what would your name be? <laughs> what would your name be? Now, I'm going to tell you. The Bible uses this language, and when they had broken through, they got a breakthrough. When they had broken through, they lowered him. There comes a time when you get a breakthrough. You can feel it. It's tangible. It's like something you're, you've been pushing, you've been straining, you've been persevering, you've been believing, you've been binding, you've been loosening, you've been fasting, you've been praying, and all of a sudden, you get through. And it's like the heavens open up. And grace begins to shower down. And what had been all struggle, all of a sudden, you're through and you're in his presence. I picture these friends looking down. They're holding him. And I think they probably just finally let it rest on the ground. Jesus already has the whole story on him. And I picture the friends peering down. I, I, you know, today... And I'm not an emotional guy. This, tear, this made me tear up. I thought about it. These men, they're peering down. They're sweating. Their hearts are beating. Their faith is red hot. I think the man on the stretcher was looking at Jesus with hope and with desperation. Is this real? Have I come to a circus sideshow or is this real? Are you just a ringmaster or are you real? And Jesus looked around. He sees the furrowed brow of the Pharisees and he looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. The guy knew immediately what he was talking about. Your sins are forgiven. Then he read the thoughts of everybody watching when Jesus comes into a room, he knows every thought in the room. This is our Jesus. He knows every thought in the room. He knows the intents and motivations of every heart. And he scans it. And he reads your mail. Nothing surprises him. He never says, well, I'll be. He scanned their thoughts and he said, let me tell you guys something. I know what you're thinking. Who am I to forgive sins? Well, I'm going to tell you something. What's easier, to forgive a sin or to heal the sick? It's easier to heal the sick. It's much more difficult to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. So what I'm letting you in on is, I'm God. I'm God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was theos, God. He was God, standing there in skin. And he said, I just wanted you boys to know you're not dealing with a good teacher, a charismatic leader, an inspirational personality. I have the power to forgive sin. But only God can do that. That's right. That's right. And his problem is he needs forgiveness. You know, so many things begin to unravel themselves in our life when sin is taken care of. 
You begin with the sin issue and you move out. You begin with the sin issue. And once you're forgiven, a world of opportunity and potential is opened up to you. He turns to this man and he says, your sin has forgiven you. And now I'm telling you, get up. Now, I think when he said, get up, you talk about anointing so thick, you could cut it with a knife. You talk about an air of expectancy and electricity that charged that place when he said, get up. Here's his friends peering down through the roof. And he hears the master say, get up. And he who had not been able to walk, not been able to move, had been bound to a stretcher, locked up in sin, tormented of soul, useless in body, stood up. Now, I'm, these are real human beings, and I'm guessing there was one major Pentecostal fit on the roof. <laughs> I'm thinking there was church on the roof. You've heard about church on the rock. You've heard about church here. There was church on the roof. This was church on the roof. I think they started hooping and hollering and screaming and yelling and rejoicing. Can you imagine throwing the stretcher? They carried him on all that way away. Can you imagine them walking home? Can you imagine that? I'll tell you what, they had a Pentecostal I mean, it was a visitation. What a great, great, incredible story. Now, let me tell you what we can glean from this quickly about Jesus. I want you to say this with me. Jesus honored the faith of friends. Jesus honored the faith of friends who didn't judge, who didn't condemn, but who reached in and said, we want to help you through both kinds of paralysis. Second thing about Jesus, Jesus never rebukes desperate faith. This was desperate, digging through a roof, lowering him down, interrupting the meeting, carrying him all that way, that's desperate faith. Folks, Jesus never rebukes faith, never. He never rebukes faith. How many of you have ever had desperate faith? You don't have to tell me, if you know, you know it if you do. Jesus is always approachable. Jesus is always approachable. No matter what it is, you can approach Jesus. You know, being a pastor, people tell me all the time, you know, I was afraid to come to you. I was afraid to tell you. I was afraid to let you in on this. And if they see me that way, they probably see him that way too. Well, God, I don't want to bug you. And, or, or here's this one, it's me again. And yeah, it's the same old thing. And we think that somehow God just says, again, get out. Mm -mm. Jesus is always approachable, always. And if you're coming to him desperate, crying, screaming, squalling, he's going to receive you. This is the Jesus we present at this church. We want the prostitutes to come in, the drug addicts to come in, the alcoholics to come in, the down and outers, the up and outers. We know where to carry you. We'll pick up your stretcher and we'll carry you. We don't have it, but we know who does. He can forgive your sin and he can heal your life if you'll come to him. 
As Christians, it can be difficult to preach God's Word to the masses, whether it's pressure from society or the notion that we're not good enough to be a preacher, there's always an excuse for why we're keeping our faith silent. In today's word from Pastor Jeff, we learned that no matter what, you need to accept God's calling for your life and be a preacher in His name. You have the gifts that God wants to use for His glory. Be empowered by His perfect grace. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. In his next message, Pastor Jeff illustrates what it means to walk with Jesus. As Christians, we know that Jesus lives in and through us, but do we truly walk with Him day in and day out? It's not enough to rest on the laurels of your relationship with God. Instead, you need to be active in sacrificing yourself daily for the cause of Christ. The most important calling over your life is to go out and make disciples in the name of Jesus. Never lose your vigor in being a living sacrifice. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Mark, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.